1: The Self Love Club, a place where boss babes share their stories to empower women. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm your host, Belle Crawford. Join me for a podcast series where we'll hear the stories of girl boss women who are doing super cool things with their lives. We'll find out how they've done what they have, their self love and self care practices, and they'll share their tips to empower you to live your best life. Natasha Mueller is a London-based entrepreneur, philanthropist, impact investor and mental health activist. Natasha studied at Harvard, worked for the UN and the Human Rights Commission in Geneva. Natasha lost her father to suicide when she was only 17, which has hugely shaped her drive to bring about positive change through financial good and went on to split her assets from the family business in order to do so. We're so lucky to have this incredibly smart and positive woman openly share her story and advice on the Self Love Club podcast just a quick note, I did have to record in some interesting places in London, not the same as the studio quality at home so the audio quality isn't as fancy as usual but the content's super important so I know you're going to love this. Also another note, this conversation does mention suicide, not in a graphic detail but it may be triggering for some listeners. There is a full list of international services you can contact in the show notes of this episode and if you're in New Zealand you can free text and call one seven three seven. Enjoy, Natasha. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Letting me be in your home—it's so lovely around here.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you could come by. Thank yeah. you so much for inviting me to your podcast.
1: Yeah, oh. I know. Hey, tell us about yourself and what you do.
0: So, I am a next gen impact investor and mental health activist. So my family, I'm half Swiss, half Colombian, born in Japan, raised in Hong Kong and Spain. And my family company is uh, traditionally in textiles. Uh, So we have a textile company in Southeast Asia. But we kind of moved on from there, um, selling the family business. And I have been advising my family on impact investing and how to use the power of finance as a force for good. So how to support, support social entrepreneurs or companies that are doing something good for the environment or for social causes. So affordable housing or forestry or climate tech solutions or food supply chains. And now I've um, split up my assets for my family and set up my own structure, my own company, and I'm managing a portfolio of investments like that. And working with other next-gens, uh, high net worth ultra high net worth next gens advising them on how to set up their portfolio so they could, um, they can have impact with their investments.
1: Yeah. Explain to us what next gens is. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, you're all good. (laughs) So next gens are the next generation.
0: So often in like big families, it's the next generation that takes over the the family business or the family company or the family wealth, And they're the one that kind of manage or decide on the strategic direction. But it's a question of empowerment and which is massively linked to mental health, actually, which is something... Um, I'll like, get onto to a bit later, it's mm. another activity that I do, but it's, um, yeah, next gens are often not quite in the driving seat yet, so they're kind of navigating their way in this kind of political power relationship of family company or family office, and it's kind of how to have your voice, or have your say, to be able to get your family to invest in companies that are doing social good basically.
1: Mm. So take us back, did you ever know growing up what you, would, like, what you would like to do or what you were interested in doing? No, I absolutely did not have a clue.
0: So growing up I had the most idyllic childhood in Malaga in the south of Spain, went to an international school um, at the time I was actually competing um, for yeah, in show jumping so I'm a horse rider, I always wanted to go to the Olympics so I competed on the Colombian young riders team and I was just training and then did my my university degree, my master's, and then it was kind of like, oh, now what? Um,
1: What did you study in? So I studied
0: geography, and then I studied the political economy of violence, conflict, and development. Wow. And the reason I did that was actually when I was 17, my father died by suicide. Um, So I was very interested in violent acts. I know that sounds a bit morbid, but I couldn't understand why someone had... Someone would check out why someone would do such a, a an act of violent self harm. Mm. So I was interested in conflict and wars and internal strife and um, self harm and things like that. So I studied, yeah, kind of what what that means, what that looks like, the political economy of violence, and then really wanted to do good. So I went mm. to the UN for a while. Um, I worked in the Sports for Development office because I believe in the power of sports to do good. Uh, and then I worked in the Human Rights Commission, and I didn't like it.
1: Was that in London or? In Geneva. Right. In Geneva. So I was based in Geneva for a while. And it's not that I didn't like it, I was just
0: like frustrated that it didn't have the systems change impact that I was looking for. So I was like, we can do more than this. So I first started out in the public sector, um, exploring how I could do good in the public sector. And then I was like, hmm, I'm not sure. So then I went back into the private sector. Uh, worked for my company for a few years, spent two years in China, which was an experience. Um, lived in a factory for a while, uh, in the middle of Hubei, in the middle of nowhere. Didn't speak Chinese, didn't really have any friends. It was a real eye-opener. Um, that was in like 2010, 2012, so quite a while ago. And then I went into my family office um, back in Switzerland and started getting involved kind of in the management of the family wealth. Mm. and um, then I realized that this was that capital or, or finance can have huge power huge potential to do good um, if you direct it in the right way but I didn't quite know how to do that so I first started off in the renewable energy sector because um, I understood that so that was the first deal that I put together with my family we bought a solar park in Germany and started investing in different renewable energies and this was before like 2010 which was like When governments were supporting it, when it was super expensive, and now the costs have come down and now it's a really normal source of energy. So that was how I got involved in it. And then I wanted to do more. Um, But my family, uh, have it's very difficult to align your values with Mm. your family, so they were going off in a different direction. So I decided to split my share of the inheritance off from my family and set up my own team. And then I went to Harvard and studied um, impact investing. So I did an impact investing course, which is um, a course organized by Harvard together with the World Economic Forum and um, the Center for Sustainable Policy and Finance um, at the University of Zurich. And that's when I started getting more involved with this next-gen impact
1: investing mm. culture. Talk us through, like, what was it like when you obviously you'd worked separate from your family, but then what was it like setting up your own business or your own work? Like, how did you know? what you were going to do. How did that process all work? It was
0: really hard, actually. It was, I had not a clue what I was doing. I'd never gone, I'd never studied finance. I didn't come from a from an investment background or anything like that. So I just kind of went by the seat of my pants. Um, and I think if you speak to a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of uh, I- innovators, that's mm. kind of how it happens. There's no set methodology for doing it. I just, I was lucky that I had, so, some really good advisors, some really bad family advisors, which I got rid of, mm. and I just asked around and just got really good help, educated myself, and just built, it, built up really bit by bit. Um, and on the impact side, particularly, um, I did that incrementally, so I didn't go fully into it. I just started like sourcing deals that I thought were interesting. So I started mainly in affordable housing, for example, which is a bit more vanilla, and then I got more involved into like forestry or milk companies in India, or um, for, like forestry companies in Uganda, or now I'm looking at financial inclusion in Southeast Asia, um, so those kind of things.
1: So you're aligning with different companies and and what are you, what exactly are you doing with them? What were you doing in the beginning?
0: So first just investing in them and supporting them and then sometimes taking board positions or working with someone to take board positions to um, influence the strategy of the company. And what I also do uh, is a lot of shareholder activism. So when you own shares in a company, you have a voice and this is a particularly powerful way of influencing a company's behavior. So you can take your shareholding power and you can go to the AGMs and you can go to the meetings and be like, hey, I'm one of your investors. Why don't you have more women on the board? Why don't you have a mental health um, policy at work, mm. Why don't you have more flexible time? So you can use that kind of power to influence a company strategy. Because um, I think it's not just about like the external impact you're having. It's also about how you treat your employees, how you treat your customers, how you treat your your, your stakeholders rather than shareholders. Mm. And I think by investing in companies and supporting them in that way, that you can have a real, you can have real power.
1: And it's like you were saying before, you worked out how to combine both of these things and merge them in together and have what is probably a greater impact in a lot of ways.
0: That's what I think too. And it was really thanks to this Harvard course and um, the support of the Center for Sustainable Policy. So I I philanthropically support um, the banking and finance department at the University of Zurich and I work closely with them. And we bring out research papers on how to maximize your impact. And some of the tools that I'm using have come out
1: from there. So like, I'm just, I think I'm always in awe of entrepreneurs and people that create things from just, you know, like it's just, I think it's one of those things of just, you just started doing something. Is that what basically happened? You just split off your, you know, started your own company and then day to day, what, what sort of things were you doing? Obviously getting involved with other businesses and things, but how did you know what to do?
0: Well, it's funny you say that because I think if you, back in the day, if you ask children what it is that they wanted to be when they grow up, it's mostly, it was like maybe a teacher or um, like an astronaut or something like that. Now, if you ask most young people what they want to do or who they want to be, they want to be entrepreneurs. And that's not a thing, Mm. you know, I think it just, it ends up being like something you become. Um, So... Yes, I said my own company, but my company's not like a company in the sense that it doesn't produce any products, it doesn't have any customers, it's just the vehicle through which I leverage my networks to catalyze the power of finance, basically. I know that sounds really wordy, but... um, I just strategically... I use my, my finance or my wealth very strategically to support certain organizations that are very grassroots and up-and-coming. So I support it. So I was one of the first donors, for example, for United for Global Mental Health. It's this mental health um, campaign. And when I met the founder, the CEO, Alicia London, in February last year, I mean, it was just like a memo. It was just like an investment deck. It was just an idea. It wasn't even a, a charity at the time. But there was something about it that just... I got it, and I thought the idea was so phenomenal. And it's developed in leaps and bounds. Now we just launched our the first our first Speak Your Mind campaign at the UN General Assembly, and um, on World Mental Health Day, we opened the Museum of Lost and Found Potential, which is a museum to highlight um, the importance of investing in mental health initiatives. Mm-hmm. So, um, trying to show ministers why they have to galvanise action on mental health because if you don't invest in mental health, um, then you're losing out on a huge uh, economic source or economic power um, because the vast majority of people are not as productive if they've got mental health issues. So that's not the only reason to invest in mental health, but a lot of the time that's a good way of um, getting ministers involved. So to your question, how do I know what to do? Oh, I don't really know all the time, but if something speaks to me and I believe in it, if a cause believes,
1: if I believe in that cause, then I support it wholeheartedly and I just, go guns blazer. yeah it's, I guess it's like an intuitive thing you just know you get a gut feeling and you just and that's the thing with entrepreneurs and people who are creating their own career their own job they just they just do it and it just feels right and they just intuitively know what they're doing somehow right. even though it feels like you don't know what you're doing yeah you know? that's exactly <laughs> yeah it. I think
0: you just start off slow and you just kind of yeah you just follow your gut feeling a lot of the time and I mean I do have advisors and I really I set it up, I have very strong checks and balances so that I have team buy-in. So I incentivize my advisors so they have to agree on the investment. But sometimes I don't agree with my advisors and then I take the risk on my own. Um, So I think it's just having good people around you, having a good team, having people who you trust and having people whose values align with yours. I think that's the most important. If you speak the same language, then I think you understand each other. And that's particularly why I work with a lot of next gens because I understand where they're coming from. And I think if you look at the world today, if you look at who is at the forefront of pushing for new things, it's young people. Look at what Greta's doing. Look at this whole climate movement. Look at the people out on the streets. And it's the same with mental health. Particularly, it's like a crisis of our time. Mm. Um, at least that's what I think.
1: No, definitely. You're right. And obviously you do have a strong involvement with mental health campaigns and charities that obviously – very personal for you as well with your dad passing away as well when you were quite young.
0: My dad uh, was an alcoholic and he had bipolar type one and he got really sick with kidney stones and I think that just spiraled, made everything spiral out of control. So when I was 17, he, yeah, he died by suicide. And I think that's the whole point about mental health. It's really... It, it, it eats you up inside. So that happened, and then, then I left home soon
1: after. It must have been incredibly hard for you and your family. It
0: was really hard. It was really hard. So me and my brother found him. Oh. My mom wasn't home, she was away. And then we had to tell her the next day, and it was.
1: What is it like in that moment, you know, finding your dad and with your brother?
0: My brother was 13, he was, re- was really young. And it was three days before my A levels as well, which is like the main exam to be at university. Um, it was really tough. There was no one at home, and um, the police weren't really helpful. I ended up to, to get the military police to come and help us. Yeah, because I, I didn't know who else to call. And so, and I didn't know what do you do, you know? Yeah. And when, you're, when you're 17, you don't know.
1: Yeah, and the shock of it all and everything. Right. Yeah.
0: So, and I think because of the person that my dad was in the community, so there was a lot of reports, uh, journalists covering the story, and yeah, it was a bit messy. But the slogan of our, just to mix the two together, Mm. the slogan of our mental health campaign is that everyone everywhere should have someone to turn to when they need need help. And I think that's what got me through that period of my life yeah I call my mom cuca which means cucaracha which is cockroach in Spanish and I say it with like a lot of love <laughs> and self-respect because she is just she's just unbelievable like I think when you have mental health issues what you need is you just need the trust that there's someone going to be there who's going to hold your hand through it through thick or thin mm. no judgment no never saying no always being there you know having that connection and she she gave that for me, and me and my brother and her are really tight, mm. so we don't agree on anything work-wise, but emotionally and family, we're really, really close.
1: And that's what got you through that time?
0: What gets me through now is essentially tribe. That's what I say all the time with mental health. It's about tribe. Because it's also, when I was at uni, three of my friends died by suicide. Well, two did, and one, we were able to get to the hospital. And, get her stomach pumped and you know save her and just earlier this year my best friend also died by suicide and I think it's a lot to do it often you often see it in the 20s and 30s and I think it's a question of identity and a question of kind of where am I going in life you feel a bit lost you feel a bit alone it's like it's kind of what we were talking about earlier like I question what I'm doing in my life mm-hmm.
1: where am I going yeah, am I? My same. Right? yeah I think it's a thing for a lot of us and we we just need to chill out a bit. But, yeah, you do sometimes at times be like, what am I doing? What's going on? Like Exactly. You have moments of it.
0: And I think that's when you need your tribe. That's mm. when you need your connection. That's when you need someone to be around, to kind of be like, okay, let's work this out. Let's figure it out. Let's, you know, let's band together. And I, I think that's why we see such a prevalence in mental health nowadays, because those kind of connections, the traditional bonds have broken down a little bit. Mm. And so we've had to find new ones. And so that's why I call it tribe, because it's not family anymore in the traditional sense because we travel and we're in all kinds of places um just finding your tribe finding people who you who you resonate with that's why i like working with next gens who are interested in 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 the social values i am why i want to do impact investing and is why i support mental health because i understand that community Mm. and it gives me strength and joy to work
1: to work with them there's a i guess a big why behind what you do what happened with your dad and your friends? Is that like a big driving force for you? Massive,
0: massive. And it's also like I, I wouldn't know what else to do with my wealth, so I inherited really young and we took on a lot of responsibility. And I would, I just want to, I would love if my dad was around, all I would want is for him to be proud of me, right? And so everything I do is just kind of with that in mind. Um, so it's just it's driven by driven by that. Yeah. And just because I know what it's like to be in that hole, you know, there's that um, there's that saying. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Like a guy falls down a hole and uh, a priest walks by and he's like, Hey, 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 um, Father, can you help me get out of here? And the father says a, a prayer and then like a doctor comes by. He's like, Hey, doctor, can you help me out of here? He's like, Writes a prescription, and throws it in the hole, and then still so isn't an out. And then a friend passes by and it's like hey friend can you help me out and the friend jumps in, in the hall and the guy's like well you're stupid why are you down here with me now how how are we going to get out and he's like well I've been down here before and I know the way out mm. and that's what I think is why I do what I do yeah I know what it's like to be in that position
1: yeah hey, so you've have you had your own mental health struggles yourself
0: what I was diagnosed with was PTSD um so it's kind of my issues are I catastrophize stuff <laughs> So it's like in my life, if something bad happens, someone dies. Basically,
1: that's. The- but that has happened to you, though. Like you're, it's understandable that you would have that, especially after having the PTSD after your dad passed away. That's understandable. You went through a huge shock. So that's, and then a, for you, I probably is it like a? You probably think you know, when something bad happens and it's going to end up in that sort of results. Exactly. Cause that's what's happened in your life. Exactly. So it's typical catastrophizing. So there's, that's, it's not rational, but you know what I mean? Like it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So when I get stressed or anxious, it's like,
0: yeah, everyone gets stressed or anxious, but I'm like extra stressed or anxious. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, something really bad is going to happen. Um. So I just have to temper that, but I do a lot of therapy. Mm. Um, and I started doing trauma therapy and, and I work on myself. And to be honest, like, being a mental health activist and like sharing my story and working with the campaign and meeting the other campaigners that just gives me the power and the strength to to carry on going Mm. Um, to work with them and to see them overcome to help them overcome their own issues as well and to work together to change the system I think that's that's what really 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 helps
1: there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being a mental health activist as well do you do you find that like a bit of pressure at times?
0: Yeah, so we, I was, I've been talking about it with some of the other campaigners. I think one of the most important things to address mental health issues is storytelling, but the very act of storytelling is exhausting. It's very hard to relive those moments over and over again. And also just because like, you don't want to tell the story and like get depressed and cry about it, you know? Because there's it's a happy ending at the end, you know? Um, But to keep that positive spin on things it takes energy and so sometimes yeah you get a bit tired after one mm. so I need a bit of downtime and a little bit of self-preservation yeah um so you have to have boundaries and that can sometimes be quite hard
1: yeah especially when people are probably reaching out to you that are in not a good space and then you sort of feel like a responsibility to help those people but at the same time it's like it's balancing out boundaries but also helping people that must be quite hard
0: exactly yeah and it's what I was what I mentioned to you earlier about I'm not a therapist. I'm, I'm not equipped to be a therapist. I didn't study that. I don't work as that. But I think sometimes when you tell your story and you're speaking to vulnerable people, then they turn to you for help or support. And that's when it's a bit tricky because it's I don't always know how to help. And I give my love and my support and a hug and a smile, but that's like my energy being taken out of me as well. Mm. So then I need like downtime.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. How do you, That's self care. So how do you how do you look after yourself so that you are able to you know re- restore yourself and then able to give? What are your self care practices?
0: Nature, nature and animals. Um, so that's really important to me. So I live in like North London have really good um, access to Hampstead Heath. I have parks all around and I have horses. So my horses and my dogs are my life. So apart, so my biggest expenditures are contemporary art collecting. And horses. <laughs> Literally, when I'm feeling down, I just go and muck out a stable and groom my horses and just get mucky, basically. Mm. And that's really... I think that keeps you grounded. Um, meditation also sometimes helps, but I'm not very good at that. I'm a bit more of a doer, so it's more like sports and
1: yoga and... Being box. active, yeah. Boxing. Oh, that's good. It's
0: so good. Yeah. It's like, I like strong women. And so if you can be sp- strong in your body... And I think mental resilience is really good and focus and discipline and the discipline of sports really really helps my mm. my mental health and my anxiety yeah. so that really helps me as well nutrition I, yeah I think that's a yeah. if you eat well then
1: you feel good yeah and sleep
0: mm. um, you know, yeah. And every now and then just having like a just a quiet day at home in your PJs. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's so neat. <laughs> Just watching movies or something, Netflix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And having a girly day. Yeah. What makes you feel empowered as a woman or what empowers you?
0: I felt massively empowered when I separated my assets from my family and took control of my own, my own direction. So I think that was a big one. And I think with some of the kind of next gens that I mentor or that I work with, when I see them succeeding or when I see them like, Making their first investment or getting their family on board with um, with their investment strategy, I think that's massively self fulfilling for me. Mm. And to be honest, working with my, the mental health team that I work with, I find that so empowering. I find it so inspiring. It's really, I mean, it's been the joy of my life to be able to like support and donate to this campaign and watch it get on the UN General Assembly. what should get become partners with HSBC, watch these campaigners from Liberia, Sudan, Sierra Leone, like that's massively empowering. And as a result of some of our work, Sierra Leone um, is looking at one of their mental health laws. So Sierra Leone only has one mental health law and it's covered under the 1902 Lunacy Act. I mean, that's insane. Mm -hmm. And part of the work that I've enabled um, through this campaign has resulted in them looking at that lunacy law that's massively empowering yeah it's massively empowered if i can see the effect that my systems change investments or philanthropy is having then i'm happy oh, then of I'm course empowered. and the people come up to me and are like you know i think at the moment someone once said to me we have a bit of a kindness crisis and we're kind of getting in this kind of hopeless like feelings of hopelessness at the moment and so if i can just even with the power of my voice. Or, so I do a lot of ecosystem building and field building and public speaking. Even if I can just use the power of my voice to make people feel more positive or more inspired or more determined to have change, that's empowering.
1: Mm. And do you love seeing other women do really well? Is that like a big thing for you? Mm-hmm. Very
0: much so. So apart from my work with United for Global Mental Health, I am um, a board member and I'm also a donor to um Footage Foundation. So they specifically work in mental health and women at risk. So they work in refugee centers or in centers that are supporting women that be sexually trafficked. Um, and watching, they have this incredible um, IP They have this theory of change, which involves storytelling and empowering women and putting them in service, but in service kind of means so that they have an economic opportunities. Um, And if you watch the women transform as a result of the program they put through, boom, that really gets me up in the morning, you know, because that's watching women find their way um, in the world. And I think that's, yeah, I really like that. I like working with women a lot.
1: Yeah. A question I always ask my guests is what is something you would tell your younger self?
0: be kind to yourself, be accepting of yourself, don't be so hard on yourself. I think that's what I would tell my younger self. Mm. Because I was always yeah, striving, striving, pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. And I think I've gotten to the point, I've had a little bit of a breakthrough this year and I was like, we've got to enjoy life. We've got to enjoy life. Mm. It's too short. You know? And I think we take it all too seriously. And there's a lot of hype going on, there's a lot of political crisis, a lot of random things that make us feel unstable or uncertain. And I think it's important to remember that we're only human. We can only do as much as we can. And just whatever you can do, make it count and accept that that's as much as you can do. Mm. So that's why I think I would tell my younger self to be a bit kinder.
1: Yeah. Did you, were you like really, really hard on yourself? Obviously you're very driven. So were you quite like, I think I can relate to that where you're just like always wanting to do more and be better and better. And it's just, it's really exhausting. It's
0: exhausting. I don't, I don't mean to sound it in a say this in a bad way, but I think it's harder for women mm. than it is for men. I think particularly, for, I don't know why, but we have this like, Oh, I'm not mathematically able, I'm not financially able, or it's not you know, I think we put ourselves down a lot more, we have a lot more self doubt and yeah, and I think I think for women it's a little bit tougher. Yeah. And so I just think we need to if we can band together and if I can support other women, I think it's, that, that really gives me, really gives me pleasure. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's, it's difficult.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You've given us heaps of advice, but what is something you would like to share with women listening that are wanting to, you know, create or do really incredible things with their lives and really give something to the world? I guess just
0: that they can do it, that they're strong enough to do it. And if they have a dream that they should go for it. And if they can find other women To work together with. So I think that really, it's again, tribe and community, I think that really helps. And if there are other women that you can work with um, and leverage the power of the femininity or the womanhood, then I think that would be a good way to empower women, I guess.
1: Yeah. You talked as well about, you know, often women doubting themselves. And like, I feel like sometimes we have that imposter syndrome or we're just really hard on ourselves as well. How have you learned to sort of overcome that as you've gone on in life? Do you just believe in yourself a lot more? Mm, uh,
0: yes and no. So it's I think it's it's something that
1: I'm going to struggle with yeah. the rest of
0: my life. Like I'm always going to be what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. So I've done a lot of work on myself this year and I realized that a lot of my validation was coming from external validation um, and I think that's a little bit the world we, we live in, you know, Uh how many awards have you had, or how much revenue you made, or how much people have you touched, or whatever, you know? And I think what I'm trying to do is to have more internal validation, and just be, just acknowledge the wins that I've had, and try not to always go for the next one. Mm. Um, And so I'm actually literally structuring in downtime in my calendar, because, especially living in a city, it's just go, 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 what's next, what's next, what's next? And I think it's really important to have that downtime to actually take stock of where you've come from and what you've achieved and to give yourself that time to bask in the glow of your success, so to speak. Because otherwise, you just run on to the next one. And I don't think you're necessarily better or stronger for it or making better decisions. So actually, I think if you take a pause and reflect on where you've come from, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not saying I'm always...
1: No, it's so good. <laughs> able,
0: ...able to do that. Yeah, like, we're all
1: constantly trying to balance things out. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's, a, it's a struggle, but we try.
0: Yeah, exactly. There are just too many things that a woman has
1: to, like, keep in her brain or ha- wants to do in a day. So I have one of those. I'm like, oh, I've got 15 minutes. Yeah, I can do this, 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 this. Yeah, same. <laughs> ridiculous to-do list. You're exactly. like, just chill and have a moment, you know?
0: Yeah, so that's a practical thing that I'm trying to actually do. Literally in the same way that I... Put make calendar or diary events in my calendar for workouts or meetings or events. I'm trying to literally um,
1: make time for yourself. Thank
0: you. Yeah, put time in my diary like a week off or like three days, and just take downtime. Yeah, just say no. That's it's booked out.
1: Because I imagine that you often work yourself really hard. Like every day is like bang 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 bang, and like no, not a lot of downtime.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's not only that; it's also about the energy you put in. Um, So you can work and not really kind of mindless working, you know, but if you really believe in something or if you're like supporting a cause or Everything I do I want to change the system a little bit because I think the capitalist system is a little bit broken and I think the way business is usual the way we've been doing things is not working anymore, it's just not. Income inequality is through the roof, um, climate changes, all over, global warming's all over the place, um, our food quality is terrible, waters are polluted, uh, there's plastic and everything, mental health is on the rise, left, right and centre, um, conflict, it's political crisis, um, gender crisis, homelessness, and so I think and I'm so passionate about it and I so deeply want to Mm. have a way in changing that system but it's so entrenched it's so difficult so if you give your all for that it's also about the energy you put in Mm. Um, so I try to give my energy to these things but then you're
1: just like whoa you need to give it back to yourself because it is very purpose driven it's about the energy you put in Mm. Um,
0: and that's why I I get asked to do a lot of public speaking or uh, get asked to support causes because if you ask me to do something I will 100% Pull, pull out all the stops give all my energy for it if I'm a believer then I'll put my hand in fire mm. for you, you know type thing
1: what's obviously you've got a lot going on but what's some other things you want to do or what's next I'm working with the conduit the conduit's a social impact membership club so I was one of the earlier investors in see. C-
0: uh, and founding members so working with them on building out their impact fund and their foundation which is really exciting so I am really I want to see what they're, what they're where they're going with that and see how I can support so that's kind of the next thing and actually what I really want to do is work on my own consultancy so I've got uh, my own company it's NM Impact and through that I do some of the mentoring and um, ecosystem sort of field building work that I do like the public speaking and supporting um, various courses, but what I want to do actually is kind of set up a consultancy of all next gen women in different areas. So I've been lucky to have met some incredible, incredible young female entrepreneurs or female advisors that are really pulling out all the stops and really trying to change things in their own fields. So in art, in healthcare, in um, property, in uh, yeah, in construction, and I would love. To have this coalition of badass women um, trying to change the world so that's what that's what my next step is creating the development plans or creating yeah uh, my company to be able to
1: do that sounds incredible hey thank you so much for your time today Natasha you're amazing thanks for everything you're doing and everything you've given us in this as well really appreciate it thanks so much for having me thank you so much for listening to the self love club podcast please subscribe for weekly episodes and catch up on apps you may have missed reviews and sharing the self love club with your friends and on your Instagram stories helps heaps in spreading the self love message you can keep up with the self love club at self love club podcast and at bell crawford on Instagram. Instagram, plus find resources and blog posts on my website, bellcrawford.com. We've got heaps of boss babes coming up to empower you through the rest of the year with weekly episodes available each Monday. Catch you soon, babes.